Welcome to the Macomb Israel Teacher's Lounge podcast, where we connect students and listeners to what's happening in Israel and give you insight behind the headlines. I am your host, Michael Unterberg, here, as always, with co-host Alan Goldman. How you doing, Alan? Doing okay, Mike. Well, that's good. Uh, today, our topic is times, going... Yes. yes, it is. It's COVID okay. Uh, uh, today's topic, we're going to discuss the passing of Sheldon Adelson, a major uh, financial benefactor and political activist. Uh, and somewhat controversial figure uh, in American and Israeli politics. Alan, would you please introduce our guest for today? Yeah, I'd be happy to. We're very honored and privileged to uh, welcome Jacob Magid, who's the U.S. correspondent for the Times of Israel, uh, to share with us his uh, wisdom and uh, a little bit of his understanding of um, Sheldon Adelson's place in Jewish community and in Israel and, and his influence. So uh, welcome, Jacob. Thanks. Hi, Alan and Michael. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, you wrote, you wrote. I, I, for me, it was a great piece. Somebody, you know, I've been paying attention. He's a famous figure, and I found your piece uh, actually informative and enlightening. So can you just, for listeners who aren't as familiar with the name, just would you be able to just give us a quick overview of who Sheldon Adelson is? Sure. So Sheldon Adelson is, was Zichron um, Alivracha, the um, owner of the Las Vegas Sands um, hotel and casino system, um, billionaire, but also a Brooklyn native, or Boston native that grew up the son of a taxi driver um, and kind of a little bit of a rags to riches story um, to become the, the, the casino um, mogul that kind of we know as today. Um, Mainly, we know about him from his contributions to the Republican Party, um, most recently to Donald Trump in the tens of millions um, and even gotten total to hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, and then, of course, as well to to Israel, um, be it through through his support for Prime Minister Netanyahu, but also just general causes throughout the country, be it Yad Vashem um, um, or the Ariel Medical School in, in, in Judea and Samaria in the West Bank. Um, various causes all throughout the country um, that he's given hundreds of millions of dollars to over the years. Now, do you think that you can separate his philanthropy from his political activism, or are they always sort of joined at the hip? Um, I think it's hard for most people to do that. I think that what can, what can be separated is that he did give two causes again, like Yad Vashem, um, and and it wasn't just like the to have a hall named after him or his wife Miriam. Um, it was also he was giving funds to the to the the maintenance staff, things that weren't always getting like the the, the most sexiest uh, titles or 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 cause um, parts of the Yad Vashem um, brand. Um, that he was giving lots of money to. For example, he paid for his hotel in, in Las Vegas. He paid for all of his staff to continue getting health care and, and, and their, their uh, salaries during, during the pandemic, um, which was publicized. But again, it's not the, the right. typical things you would might have maybe expect from, from when you hear about Sheldon Adelson. On the other hand, though, most of his money was very much, the, the vast, vast, vast majority of it was going to very, very political causes um, and very much influencing both U.S. and Israel politics. So for people, especially on the center or left, it's a very, he's, he's a very controversial figure. I mean, uh, I mean, in Israel, I mean, clearly he, he, he bankrolls Israel's most uh, popular daily, which is a free paper, the Israel Hayom, Israel Hayom paper, which is uh, um, uh, pretty controversial, no? 
Right.、Um, it's got the nickname of Bibiton, which is a combination of Bibi and Iton, the Hebrew word for newspaper,、um, because it's kind of seen by most, even people on the right.、Um, Naftali Bennett has criticized it as kind of just being like Pravda.、Um, so does Avigdor Lieberman, though. Obviously, these are people that have bone to pick with Netanyahu, but the, it's, it's pretty widely understood that this is a very much a pro Netanyahu newspaper, a mouthpiece, some would say. I mean, you can just see it in the way that headlines are. are Are crafted.、Um, they'll emphasize Netanyahu's quote in response to the, the negative incident that it might have happened. It's, it's always focused on the positive Netanyahu angle or downplaying if there's something that happens that makes Likud or Netanyahu look bad, it'll get buried on page 22.、Um, things like that that are just very obvious. But if you're not a critical reader of news, which most of the world, not necessarily, there's nothing wrong with not always being、um, on the top of what's going on. It's, it's just something that's passed out to you for free. It's got, they've had their own kind of distribution system that it's distributed everywhere on public transport. I know soldiers pick it up on their way home from base, and that's what they're reading, and that's the, the lens that they're able to understand what's going I mean, on in the country. Literally, people in、um, red overalls stand around handing out free papers to people as they walk by. You don't even have to go to、yeah. a newsstand. Exactly. It's,、uh, yeah, I mean, when I, I came back from four years in Tel Aviv, they had a guy that was literally out, outside my apartment、mm-hmm. building. So it's kind of convenient, but also like that very much influences the, the way that people, and it and not only did it affect how people got the news, but it, it really totally destroyed, not destroyed, but really diminished the competition because it's hard to compete with someone who's giving out free newspaper to the entire well, freedom, country. Freedom House,、um, you know, the NGO that, that ranks the level of democracy and freedom in countries, reduced Israel's、mm-hmm. freedom score because the freedom of the press score dropped. Because it's one of its best selling newspapers, is a paid for. Right. It's framed as journalism, but it's, it's paid for arguing for the Netanyahu perspective. And since that's what Israelis read,、right. is that, that we lost our freedom of speech score, that, that, that this is a politically motivated. It lowered it.、Yeah. It lowered it. We, did, we、yeah. still ranked as a free country yeah, with yeah. the freedom of the press, but we lost points. Look, they do have some left wing commentators.、Um, Don Margalit, I'm not sure if he's still there, but was, was, I think he is still there and was writing for them. He's a pretty big BB critic. They do have their, their, their maybe you could say, token, like every、mm-hmm. paper does.、Um, but the, the, the corruption case that Netanyahu has now been charged with,、um, case 2000, kind of details the extent, the, I think it's hundreds of phone calls he's had, or dozens of phone calls, I don't want to exaggerate. With the, with the、um, editors of Israel Hayom on a regular basis, trying to just really get involved in how the paper was, was,、um, was portraying him and his wife and his, and his family and, and his policies.、Um, and it, they're, they're, it's hard to argue that, it wasn't being, that he wasn't crossing a line、um, or just that the paper in general was not、uh, maybe a, an accurate representation of the Israeli politics. And of course, the way it, it said influenced the discourse, right? And with all of everything that、right. you guys have said, the, the influence it has on the discourse, because this is setting the agenda of what people are reading. Mm-hmm. And therefore, others have to respond to it. Other news outlets or what have you have to respond to it. So, well, in and of itself. Yeah. Part of, the, part of the corruption charges in Bibi's indictments was calling another news organization, Yedio, and leveraging distribution of Yisrael Hayom to, you know, I'll, I'll reduce that distribution if you, you know. More complicated than that, but reduce the distribution. It was also it was also require them to sp- charge money, so that could kind of even even 
balance the playing field a little bit so that if everyone has to ch- if everyone's has to charge maybe that will allow other the the which is also very very um has its own agenda sure. as well that's kind of the, another issue with israeli on media in a lot of ways is that there's not very rarely can you find i think a, a newspaper um which doesn't have a very clear agenda um that even even if there's a difference between um left and right and versus being i think what oftentimes a lot of the places is sensationalized um, for, for just a dramatic effect and for also an, an, an attempt to get viewers. So that's a problem in Israeli, Israeli media Israeli. as a whole. I mean, that's what editorial pages are and for, right? And not just right? Israeli, correct. So that you under correct. every... So, uh, what the issue is, obviously, yeah. is when they become more than editorial. Yeah, but no, but he, and that's not just... You're right. It's well, not but here, the fact that the, that the prime minister of the state has communication with that particular organ, it lacks independence as a journalist. Right. That, right. That's why exactly. these ones are standout for all the other issues you know, that journalism faces. Yeah, there was even a strange, exactly. you, you mentioned in your, in your piece, this strange interaction that Sarah Netanyahu had with Miriam Adelson. <laughs> Can yeah. you count that? And um, Yeah, um, I think Sarah Netanyahu is known, at least she doesn't have the best image in a lot of Israeli media. She's seen as someone is, is paranoid and um, very concerned with her image. And... Um, I think there was a, a moment around early 2010s period where um, Sarah Netanyahu, had, they had regular contact with the Adelsons. Um, Sarah, at another point, had accused, had claimed that uh, that uh, Miriam Adelson had an affair with the editor of Yisrael Hayom, Mark Regev, um, which that kind of ruined the relationship with them to be, uh, at that point. But in this specific instance that I mentioned, um, that Sarah Netanyahu told, according to the statements given to police by the Adelsons dur- during the in, during the police's investigation of the corruption affairs of Netanyahu and his re- role in the media, Sarah tells uh, Miriam Adelson, "If Iran gets nuclear weapons and Israel's wiped out, I'll be that I'll be to blame." As Miriam, she she's recalling so Miriam Adelson. Sorry, is recalling how Sarah Netanyahu told her that she would be to blame because uh, because I'm not defending Bibi in the paper. And she was also going on about how the image of Sarah Netanyahu wasn't being portrayed well in the paper. So um, that, But it also kind of shows a little bit about the Adelsons that it wasn't just about, they continued bankroll, like still to this day bankroll, uh, Israel Hayom and Mary Middleson as the publisher, um, that they, they yes, they have this relationship with Netanyahu and it's very complicated, obviously. Um, but they, they continued um, supporting this because they, they believe in the agenda that Netanyahu was, was, um, was putting forward. Um, and they believed in general of, of the Israeli right. And right now Netanyahu is this, the prime minister of the Israeli right. And they did sound like they didn't have relations with other lawmakers on the Israeli right. right. And even with uh, Yair Lapid has had uh, contacts with them, Shimon Peres. Um, relied on them for a big major conference. Com- uh, there was a president's conference mm-hmm. event that he had organized, and he didn't have money to for, and he turned to the Adelsons, and they bankrolled it with with millions of dollars. So everyone relies on them, um, but they see it as very much a, a gift to Israel. Um, they want to strengthen so. Israel as a Jewish state, not, not necessarily as a democracy, which Adelson says outright um, at times. Has Can said, you clarify um, that? What does but, that mean? But it wasn't just right. about Netanyahu. Um, so he said that he was quoted a couple times um, as kind of saying, playing down the importance of Israel as a, as a democratic state, the kind of hinting that, that the whole issue with the Palestinians and 
whether or not Israel is obliged to give the Palestinians a state of their own um, to, to relieve, relieve the demographic um, problem of a Jewish minority between the river and the sea. So he was quoted a couple of times as saying, so Israel won't be de- democratic, so what? Um, at, a, at a conference of the IAC, which is the Israel-America um, Conference Council, um, which is another or one of those uh, organizations in the U.S. that he was ba- um, bankrolling. Um, at another time, he kind of, uh, he talked about how the purpose of the existence of the Palestinians is to destroy Israel um, and was very much ardently against a Palestinian state. Um, and that's kind of, I think, what he meant by very much not as much having concern to for the dem- democratic nature of Israel. He was more, very much more concerned with um, with Israel remaining a Jewish state. He said, I think God... I think God didn't say anything about democracy, he, he said in that same 2014 speech to, to Ayak. Um, he didn't talk about Israel remaining as a democratic state. So that was his worldview. Um, the, the priority was a Jewish state over a democratic one. And honestly, today, polls in Israel show that that's also their view of a growing number, if not a, a plurality of, of, Israel, of Jewish Israelis that, that place the Jewish nature of the state above the democratic nature of the state. Uh, if we Go could, ahead. I'm going to... Yeah, I'm just going to... Veer over because what you're talking a little bit about the way um, his his relationship with the Netanyahu's kind of reminded me a little bit of how you wrote about his relationship with uh, President Trump and the fact that mm-hmm. um, they weren't they Up weren't close, right? You mentioned that they weren't right. so close, but yet it, the the I guess the agenda was a similar agenda, right? I think that's also what's what separates Adelson and what made him so effective. Um, was that he was very honed in on what was important to him. I think there are a lot of other people with more money than him that haven't had the same kind of influence because he was zeroed in on the issues that were important to him and he was able to build relationships with people um, surrounding that. Um, and there, there, were no, there was no confusion about what, what his interests were and what his priorities were. Um, and that, I think that's what made him so effective. I mean, with Trump, he, he didn't respect him. He thought his ego was... Right too big um, and, and dictating the way he acted um, but he found I mean once he became, and he didn't support him in the 2016 uh, primary um, until after he became the nominee um, and that point uh, I think there's a story of how Kushner had been trying to connect the two um, and but until Adelson himself reached out to Michael Steinhardt who was the founder of Birthright um, and um, asked to asked if he could meet with Trump because um, Steinhardt had known Kushner. Kushner put um, Kushner and Steinhardt got in touch and Kushner was very excited about this finally, this, this, uh, this possibility of Trump getting backed by, by Adelson and they hit it. They, they, Trump flew to Las Vegas and met him at his, at his, at his home and they kind of, they forged a bond. I think they both had their own interests. Obviously Trump needed funds for his campaign um, and Adelson saw the Republican president who could be willing to to fulfill some of the promises made by other presidents, like the embassy moving to Jerusalem, um, and and just being more supportive of Israel that that um, maybe others wouldn't be able to do. How, how critical do you think that support was in terms of the move to the embassy, the move to the embassy, and the other the other Israel, you know, the big Israel things we've seen in the last four years of President Trump. <sighs> I think it would be uh, the people I spoke to after he passed away. Of course, say he was, he was the reason, or or really um made him the Are central figure in this embassy move. Which is fair. Yeah, yeah a little bit, uh, which is fair. I think he clearly played a role, and it's hard to argue 
with the amount of money on the line that, that he was willing to offer that Trump wasn't taking him incredibly seriously. But it was abroad. I think Trump in general took the 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 conservative Jewish right um, in the U.S. and even more so the evangelical um, Christian right very, very serious. And he saw them as a base of his supporters. And this is something that they desperately wanted. I think Sheldon Adelson might have been a figure that helped convince him. Um, and he clearly played a role in, in I mean, he, pay, he paid for part of the ceremony um, and was sitting front row. I mean, he was involved in the process, but I think uh, to say that he was the reason why, I think it might be a little bit of a stretch. I want to go back to the and, democracy. And now he bought the property, right? Sorry, I know you right. do, Mike. Yeah. Try um, <laughs> but he... <laughs> yeah, so he bought uh, the, the so that the ambassador had used to have a residence in Herzliya, um, that costs, it's a, I don't know if you guys have ever been there, but it's, they have, they used to host like 4th of July parties. It's a gorgeous res- residence along the water. And he purchased it, uh, after the embassy was transferred to Jerusalem to, to prevent the possibility that the ambassador would kind of return to, ta- the embassy would re- ret- return to Tel Aviv or the ambassador would return to, to live or stay in Herzliya. Um, that he purchased this home in, in, uh, along the water at a cost of 67 million, uh, we don't even know how much what it should have been co- what it should have cost. Kind of was a little bit done under the table, um, and didn't come out until after. I mean, I was to be fair, but, I was looking um, at buying that also. It's a nice place. <laughs> well, if you if you end up getting it at some point, please oh, yeah. invite me. Oh, I, um, those Fourth of July parties were list. incredible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I mean, there was a, a a very large involvement in the whole embassy transfer. Yeah, yeah. So uh, now, now I do want to get back to the democracy issue. I just, I, I, I actually think his position is, I mean, he, he has a right. He had a right to his opinion, obviously, but I, I, I don't think it. I would argue that if the, there's a, if the plurality of Israelis say that the Jewish identity of the state is more central to them to its democratic nature, and when in points of conflict might even be willing to compromise on its democratic nature, that isn't exactly the same as saying so. Israel won't be a democracy. And I would argue that that's Cor- that's part correct. Of really more of the extreme Israeli right, and, and uh, it, I, the, that that plurality, that plurality that kind of talks about the Jewish nature being very important to them would not say. I think there's still a plurality, and maybe at this point, I think it's below fifty percent that still do support a yeah. two state solution. Um, but that that is the, the the overwhelming or the, the the more prominent feeling among Israelis that they still do want to have some sort of separation from the Palestinians and to create a state. Adelson went right. way farther than that and saying, yes, the Jewish nature is important, and it's also because I don't want to give the Palestinians a state. I mean, he was fringe in his political opinion would be fringe in Israeli politics. But but you also point out in the article that he moved away from APAC, that he was outside of the APAC mainstream. Right. Can you clarify what right. in what ways um, he was? Yeah, um, I think it was in 2007 that um, it wasn't even over specifically the Palestinian state issue, but there had been because in the middle and the midst of the roadmap and, and the peace effort the Bush, the George W. Bush would, had been promoting with Condi Rice, um, there had also been efforts to kind of provide increase uh, aid to the to the Palestinian Authority, um, and um, Adelson and APAC actually backed mm-hmm. this effort because they see it as. The strength, strengthening of the Palestinian. Sorry, I think it was even the Palestinian economy. Strengthening the Palestinian economy. There's nothing inherently wrong with that. They saw and stabilizing and, uh, Israel. Right? Also, is an Israeli, right? It's an Israeli interest, and that's why APEC backed it. But that's where Sheldon Adelson very much um, broke with APEC um, and said, 
kind of this was just not something that he could. Uh, he said, "I don't continue to support organizations that help friends committing suicide just because they want to jump," is what he told um, the JTA at the time. Um, so very much breaking with APAC, and that's kind of why he ended up funding ZOA, the Zionist Organization of America, much further to the right, and IAC, which pretty much found helped found that organization, another tool of his to kind of influence to lobby. Um, the Congress in the U.S. And, and the president on a more right-wing agenda than what APAC was willing to. He, he was very policy focused. He had these. That's what you were saying earlier. That that what made him different than other philanthropists was that he pursued specific agendas right. in a way that others just generically support the institutional. Yeah. 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 Right. And yeah. He saw it, the Palestinians as, as an enemy. I mean, he he clearly saw them as an enemy, not as a as a potential ally or right. Right. And what was interesting is that he, but they, he didn't have as many enemies as one would think. Like there's, because of his money, people still wanted to get a little bit of a dose of it as well. Um, and you see people in the Israeli center left that weren't um, going as far as someone in the far left. I know the If Not Now group uh, based in the US that's very far left and is against anti-Zionist um, and sees a, the, the solution of being kind of a one state for two peoples kind mm-hmm. of a non-Jewish state they call, they tweeted out Yamach Shemo may his name be blotted out after Adelson died so that's something reserved the fringe for of the spectrum like the worst the, villains of, yeah. for enemies yeah the worst of the worst um, so that's the far left uh, and and they're slightly to their right were also people that said that tried to highlight the problematic nature of, of Adelson's relationship with Israel but a little bit to the but to, to a little bit to their right even on what one would call the center left there were figures that aren't um, trying to, to, to trash him after he passed away that, that, that do maybe it has to do with it just respecting the dead but also I think that that recognize that, first of all, that Miriam Adelson is still around and there's still a lot of money that can be, that's at play. Um, and they don't want to, I think, ruffle too many feathers. Well, I would also, also hope He gave a lot of money to central, central, and, yeah, you know. He gave, I didn't mention that he gave birth. to a ton of money to yeah. Birthright. I think mm-hmm. the largest donor to Birthright yeah. as well. But there is still a part of that, that, that that's a politically calculated decision not to... To, to respect him and not say anything negative. I, I'm not saying you're wrong, and I certainly wouldn't disagree with your analysis there, but I, I would hope that some of it just comes from pure... You can. No, no, but I genuinely don't. I think you're right. But I also, there's a part of me that still hopes that some of it is just genuine civility, that like that sort of extreme... Uh, as as much as you as somebody disagrees, look, I, I don't know that what If Not Now did was inherently different than the extreme rights villainization of George Soros, where you take this contributor who represents a spot on the political ideology, you know, spectrum that you disagree with, and you turn him into an evil boogeyman villain, you could be bothered, but it doesn't, it's so unhealthy to a democracy that's sort of ad hominem. Yeah, I guess we're just so not used to, right, we're not used to also um, civil discourse that's kind of respectful and is willing to say, this yeah. person lived a, a long life and contributed to the causes without getting incredibly negative. I think in the Trump era, we've kind of lost that a little bit. But apropos um, George Soros, I think what some people um, on the left are a little bit are saying, maybe a little bit not as loudly, is that they, they wish they had someone like a Sheldon Adelson that could bankroll to the extent that he was. And that, But I think what we've noticed a lot of times in more um, amongst the donors of the, the, the billionaires and millionaires on, on the left, 
they're more they're more focused on giving to not just one cause, not just Israel, but they're to other causes as well. I mean, Soros isn't a good example because he's never been determined to only give to Israel right. in any way. Um, but there are others that are that are giving to lots of causes, be it in the U.S. and Israel. When you have to when you divide your funds. Um, and and aren't, don't go all in on Israel the way that Sheldon Adelson did. And even though he was given to Republican candidates, what you would that would you could argue then that, okay he was separating between the Republicans and, and Israel. But the the the, the point of giving to Republican candidates was right. because the of Israel agenda, um, right? So it was all Israel focused. Whereas on on the left, I don't think you can find people that are are willing to go all That's in. That's an interesting like that. think piece. Or they have the or have they have the no. capacity. Well, well, I don't I don't know if you're on the right either. I think he's unique and that's what Jacob said earlier. And what's interesting I think about what you point out is that it kind of came late in his life, no? Yeah. Yeah, that transformation um, I didn't realize I mean, you know, was so like yeah. it sound the the way you presented in the article was like this like remarkable sudden transformation from a democrat to a republican. Yeah, um, I think it was, I mean, the he talked about, I think around 1988, he had some sort of conversation. I think he was, he was single focused before on um, in, internal Las Vegas politics that had to do with casinos mm-hmm. um, and, and, and promoting his brand, I think. So he was very laser focused on that. Um, and then I think he had some sort of conversation with uh, William Bush, George H.W. Bush's brother around 1988 that quickly convinced him that as a as a billionaire, you need a you want lower taxes, and then the Republican um, brand of politics and the and the agenda is much more suitable for someone who wants to who want who has the amount of money that he has. Is how he understood it, um, and quickly joined the Republican Party at that point, or became a member, and um, and then but it, the allegiance to Israel. I think he talks about it afterwards, as there had been like blips of of real connection. He there's one. Um, interesting quote that he had said at, he was a u.s army veteran and he had lamented after the fact like more recently that the uniform i wore in the military unfortunately was not an israeli uniform uh-huh. all all we care about is being good zionists being good citizens of israel because i even though i'm not israeli born israel's in my heart so i think he did have this connection to israel but it didn't really come into fruition until um he visited for the first time in 1988 um, and then, of course, marriage, uh, Miriam Adelson, um, not her, Achshorn, I think is her maiden name, um, in 1991, that, that, that was actually at the Knesset, um, and... And she's Israeli. That, and Netanyahu actually, ha- mm-hmm. she's Israeli, and Netanyahu helped organize that, uh, that, because the idea of being able to hold a wedding in the Knesset, mm-hmm. not yeah. something that's usually acceptable, Netanyahu No, I'm looking into that too, them. actually, although so, I'm married, so it doesn't, that joke doesn't really work, but, Yeah. <laughs> next podcast but uh we'll fine-tune it but um so yeah i mean i'm marrying uh, mary madelson as as an israeli but not just an israeli but a very ardently Mm right-wing israeli i think helped really format uh, form his politics um even more so was it like almost like a new believer you know it's what it sounds like you're kind of describing you know yeah like a born I, I, again, I kind of. Yeah, maybe like it, a born again Zionist. Yeah, maybe that. I think you're right. That Kim maybe came out from the article that way is that he really had this like uh, revelation, um, and that is how he kind of put it at some points in terms of describing. He he came and like kissed the ground and came wearing his father's shoes, saying that right. he wasn't he hadn't been able to. His father had been too poor to come visit Israel, but he wanted wanted some part of his father to be with him that day when he visited. So it was very clearly emotional connection that that felt that he felt very strongly about um 
But, I mean, the, the comments that he made about the U.S. Army, that he also had a few comments that were kind of contradictory about some of his stories, but but the, I think there was some sort like of... Like all of us, before, really. But clearly, the, the, the visit... Right, of course. But the, the visit clearly, and then marrying his... Miriam clearly had a very, very did, strong impact. Did he grow him. up with a strong Jewish identity? Did you get that sense at all? Um, honestly, I, it's not, I didn't, I tried to fit like uh, way too much in this yeah. article. I think it's a very long piece for some people probably didn't even want to finish it. I, mean, I didn't get too much into his Jewish background, but he was Jewishly, I think, I think it wasn't like, uh, he had no experience with Judaism before. Right. I think he just hadn't been to Israel. Right. right. It wasn't, you know, an epiphany on the road to Damascus, but it was still yeah. a, a turning Correct. point yeah. or an inflection point, which is a term I keep yeah. hearing used all the time. And I'm just, I don't know, it's making me crazy. All of a sudden, I don't know where that term came from. No, I actually, I, I thought your piece was excellent, and I, I didn't think it was long. I thought I was amazed at how yeah. much you uh, you made clear in that concise amount of space. And I thought it was excellent food for thought about this name, you know, that you hear, and it, and it comes up here and there. And then just to think of him in total after his passing was very interesting. Um, and, and, you know, Alan, actually, can you explain why you thought this was so important for for this episode to to deal with his passing yeah, as a topic? Well, I think that I think that people don't think about um, don't think about so much the people who you know uh, wield power. Look, he wield power. He wielded his power with money, um, and it really has influenced and shaped our world. Um, you know, wh- wherever you are on that spectrum of that, you like it or you don't like it. You know what he what he was was for. I mean, as just the the different areas that we were talking about have had really tremendous influence um, in the Jewish world, whether it be the birthright project for the last twenty years plus, or, or you know, um, the Israel Yom paper that we've talked about, all these other things. He, he has really um, had a major major influence, um, and I don't think we talk about that enough and bring that to the fore. We kind of just, you know. We, we oh the embassy happens but like how what are those it's really the background of how those things um, uh, come to play um, and I think philanthropy is a really really important issue um, well we often forget be, these when we study history you know aside from maybe Baron yeah. Rothschild there are very few figures that come up in history class that are yeah. in you know I don't know that a hundred years from now people will talk about him but you're right he 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 really had a major impact on major events. I think they will. I mean, people are still talking about Rothschild, and that's been like a lot of the the, the very generous um, obituaries that have been written about him have called him the the more the modern day Rothschild. I think th- what separated him really was just the scope, um, the 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 hundreds of uh, I'm sure in total billions mm-hmm. of dollars that were given to various causes in Israel. That's just it's just you. It's too hard to I mean it's too large to to ignore and to even try to put him in the same ca- camp as other. Other major philanthropists he, that he just simply dwarfs in the amount of money that what's he gave. A, what surprised um, you the most that you uncovered? Um, I think it was the sheer amount of money. That, I think wow. it, it really. I think. Um, I mean, there are the interesting stories about the the, the breakdown in the relationship with Netanyahu's and and and, with, and the beginning relationship with Trump, and that it's clear. I mean, I think he was also having to... He had to work with some very difficult uh, personalities. Yeah. I think it's easy That's to argue. Um, but just the sheer money, I think, is mm. uh, is quite... Uh, 
someone who's not making that kind of money. <laughs> it took me a little bit. <laughs> but it was, why can't I just way. get like, you know, even if I got like, you know, a percent of that. Uh, 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 yes, that's what I was thinking exactly. It was like, I, I'll just take a point point two percent. It would change my life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he also, you mentioned the article, he wasn't so impressed with Trump's running of casinos as a guy who runs successful casinos. Right, right. I think uh, yeah. it was also kind of interesting that, I mean, tangential, but like uh, one of the, a couple of the issues that he really pushed, or one of the issues was uh, casinos in Israel, and that, that was actually one thing that he wasn't able to get through. Um, that the, the Israeli, I think the, the ultra-Orthodox party is very much op- opposed. Um, seeing having casinos in a lot was a bit, was a big a talking point for Adelson and others that, that wanted hmm. to kind of boost the economy a little bit there. But uh, that was really opposed. Wow, I'm surprised that didn't... That sounds like uh, something most Israelis would be in favor of. I, <laughs> that the coalition politics wow. prevent a lot of things the that religious, most Israelis are in favor of. Religious got in a big way of that. <laughs> They have in the region. They have in the Middle East. They had in Jericho (laughs) during the PA, right? Right. There was a couple for a few years. They had. It was. I've heard speak friends that speak very fondly of their trips to Jericho (laughs) to the casino there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's also a little out of my league. The casino world. I just. I mean, I just had thought about this money thing. You know, third thirty-five billion dollars. They say he has about. If he just gave every Jew in the world, which is what, like fourteen million Jews, a million dollars. It wouldn't even hurt him, right? right? Each get a million dollars. <laughs> oh my! God. Now you're depressing me. <laughs> no, I just want to start a campaign. <laughs> That's yeah. stronger than birthright. That would have a bigger effect than birthright. Well, wait right. till after the shiva's over, but then yeah. <laughs> yeah, nothing like a good shiva joke to. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Very I mean, Jewish. I mean, it it is it is it is a moment of reflection, and and I think, you know, I think I think it's important. But however controversial, however much you agree, the idea of whatever whatever resources you have, whatever you contribute, of contributing something to, to something beyond yourself, something you believe in, I do find kind of inspirational, even with all the controversial things that leave me wondering. You know, things like, well, whatever. We went through, I think, a lot of the more controversial issues. But he, there he is certainly put his money where his mouth is, right? I yeah. Mean, that's, that's, you know. Yeah. Right. And I... And that's I think it's a broad, it's, it sparks a broader conversation about money though yeah. in in politics or money and that that is I think worth having regardless of what his role if his role was positive or negative I think it is a conversation that I think his death should spur um, because it is it is a major influence and in what do we do with that Well how do you how do you create how do you balance how do you create a, a moral order in a capitalist world is very tricky we're not doing exactly. a great job so far we've it's it's you know the adam smith argument that the that the that the the hand uh, uh, will will balance out and create the greatest good so there's real evidence that that's not entirely true that it's complicated and he was a player in that world right. so yeah right. well jacob i can't thank you enough that was uh very helpful not only the piece but now giving us uh deeper insight and reflection on it Appreciate it very much, especially on Sunday morning in the states. You know that's not a, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. not negligible. <laughs> I figured it was a weekend for you guys, or a weekend, not a weekend for you guys. Who'd be yeah, well, thanks way. for playing along with our Sunday is a workday uh, vibe and uh, taking the time. We really appreciate it, and we'll put a link to the article uh, in the podcast and anything else you think you want, you can send to us. Thanks so much. 
Thank you. I Thank you, that. Alan. Thank you, Mike. And we don't have to log off, but it's the end of the episode, so I'm going to stop the recording. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.